conversation and the best in afternoon entertainment. Now, the conversation continues. It's another hour of Drew Garabo Live. Powered by Heineken. Reason for this musical rejoin? Radio's dirty work. teenager i'd come from home from school to find my mom listening to the clock radio located just to the left of the cupboard uh, by our our kitchen sink and at the time it was am talk radio a lineup that included gene burns a broadcasting legend clive thomas and my favorite quick favorite host jim phillips uh jim made the jump to FM radio when WKIS became WTKS and maintained his afternoon time slot with, quite frankly, the best ratings any Orlando radio program has ever accumulated. And my fondness for Jim and my reverence for Jim was something that was a mainstay in my life through my teenage years. And once I matriculated at the University of Central Florida, I would time my classes so they would conclude at 2.50, giving me 10 minutes to sprint across the sprawling campus, which now is infinitely more sprawling, uh, in time to get into my Volkswagen Golf, fire up my FM radio, because kids, we didn't have streaming devices then, nor did we have satellite radio. We had FM radio, and we had AM AM radio, and you were going to like it. And I would get there in time to hear Jim's monologue, which would be 20 minutes of Jim, 20 minutes of unfiltered, passionate Jim Phillips. And at the time, his amazing producer, John Alexander, one of Jim's best friends. Um, I won't go into their relationship too much because I know Jim's on the line right now and I want to get to him. Uh, But one of my greatest joys and one of my greatest honors was meeting Jim in the offices of Real Radio when I was working for another talk show host, Ed Till, losing my mind because Ed would berate me and make me feel like less than human. And I would go to the office to lick my wounds while averting the gaze of Jim Phillips because I was intimidated by the man. I did not want to annoy him. And I certainly wasn't up to meeting him because I was very intimidated. And one day this snazzily attired man in a dress shirt and slacks and suspenders beautifully coughed hair and a well-maintained and manicured mustache. Deep baritone voice fired across the office and said a phrase I'll never forget. Ed's kind of a dick, isn't he? That moment was the moment I met Jim for the first time, tried to endear myself to him, and I'm proud to say that I worked on and hopefully contributed to his fine program and had him stick his neck out and save my ass and my career on more than one occasion and on my final day before I undergo some intense chemotherapy and some stem cell transplant uh, therapy, I can't think of anyone I'd rather catch up with and give a spotlight to than the man, the legend, El Jefe, the Commodore himself, Jaime Machismo. How are you? You know, Drew, I haven't talked to you in a few years, you know, so as they say, well, Mrs. Lincoln, 
other than to play what's new with you. <laughs> you know, peace and love, peace and love. You know, I, I heard your, your, your talk about me, which I appreciate. And I was, I'll admit, because we all have egos in the business, or used to at least, and I was a highly rated, highly rated talk show host for 30 years in Orlando. But the only way I get to be on the air in a bigger market is to talk to you. <laughs> Wait a minute. This kid used to work for me. And all of a sudden, he's over in Tampa, St. Pete's, Earth. What happened? What happened with me? And I apologize. I'm just getting over a cold, so I'm a little bit raspy. No, it's, it's all good. And, and it is funny to me that I made the, the short yet painful drive down I-4 to uh, set up shop in a larger market, which I think if you had made it a goal of yours early in your career, you would have been on in multiple markets. But you were always yeah. one of those big fish, small pond, make a huge yeah. impact in the city that you lived in and were passionate about. And, and I always respected that about you because you protected your product and you advocated for the city and weren't afraid to go against the politicians who you felt uh, kind of hampered uh, the, the potential of the city beautiful. Well, let me tell your listeners a little, a couple of things about you that they don't know. Because uh -oh. when I first started off in the business in the U.S., probably in the mid twenties, and I can't remember how all of a sudden you became my producer and board up, and it was just for all intents and purposes, just you and me. It was just, and you came on, and I said, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, this kid's pretty, you know, he's pretty good, he's pretty smart, you know, and each day would go by, and I said, yeah, this kid's, you know, he's really. He's creative, you know, he's got some things to say. And then it becomes that, you know, as we all do in the talk show business, you know, we have these egos and and it's 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 a it's a business where you have to kind of look over your shoulder every so often. So after a while it was like, this kid's getting to be a little bit too good for this program. So somewhere along the line I gotta get him out of here and move him along. <laughs> he's gotta go someplace else, otherwise he's gonna take over this program and and that's I can't let that happen. And that's essential. That's the truth. I mean, I'm not. I'm not lying about it. My wife refers to certain individuals. I think I said this last time I was on the air with you. You know, there's certain people who have the woo. We call it the woo, and it's it's just that spark. You know that good things are going to happen to them. And that was you. I had to get you out of there after about six months. I don't know what it was. So get them out. Get them out of here. Bring me somebody that's really naive and a little bit uh, less intelligent than I am. <laughs> It's true. Well, I'm sure Otto appreciates that very much. And and the timetable is a little off because we had we had about a year and a half together. And I, and I will yeah. say, those moments when it was just you and me, I had I, I was literally living a dream because I would look across the glass at you, and I always loved John Alexander. I only got to meet him once, and I got to speak with him every time I would call your show, which is an embarrassing amount of times. Never using my real name. Always on Skullbong Friday. Uh, and, and I would look across the glass and wonder what it was like to be John Alexander and to be your friend and, and, and to, to bring out your best sides. And as a listener of yours, as a fan of yours, to have those moments when I would make you laugh and to have those moments where you'd have to turn away from the microphone yeah. with, with almost a silent laugh. I took such pride in that, and it, and it brought me such an infinite amount of joy to have those moments. And, and your uh, idea of, of a somewhat career insecurity happened to match up with my motivation to I – had, I had filled in for Bill Cross once when he was on the overnights and realized then 
while I loved what I was doing on your show and, and loved doing character voices like the Pie Man and John Travolta and all that, I knew that hosting my own show was starting to be in my wheelhouse. So I think the two aligned perfectly. And then I went to the overnights and you started calling me Tombstone Durango, the new sheriff in town and, and would promote the show. And that, that brought me so much happiness, my man. And, and it is so great to hear your voice. Talk to me about your retirement. It's been a couple of years. Have you been keeping yourself busy other than sending me Godzilla memes? Well, you know, it's not, you know, after you've been, I was in the business for 50 years. 30 years as a talk show host. And uh, it took about, for, I'd say about three years to finally kind of get it out of my bloodstream, so to speak, where, I mean, I think about it every day. Every day I think about it in some form or fashion, but I do not miss it at all. You know as well as I do, there's a lot of people don't realize this. It's not physically laborious, but mentally taxing. There's a lot, a lot of stress associated with, with with talk radio that people don't realize it's always if you're not on the air then it's this white noise in the background it's always this stuff going on what can i do i gotta make some notes what am i gonna do tomorrow and it's it's the ratings and blah 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 and it's awfully tough and it took about three years finally to me finally realize i'm not i'm not in that business anymore i'm not you know i'm not associated with that anymore i don't listen to talk radio i don't listen to the old station even though my successor has better ratings than I ever had. And I had great ratings, so they're killing it. But I don't want to be in that. I listen and say, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. You know, yeah. that bit sucks or, the, you know, this, that, or whatever. You know, that's, you know, new people, fresh faces come along, fresh blood comes along. Let them do their thing and have their enjoyment. I did. Jim, you have such an amazing past, um, not just military school, but your <laughs> your your previous career as a ringmaster for a circus. I always found that so fascinating that I couldn't believe that I knew someone who had actually run away to join the circus and become a ringmaster. Would you mind sharing some of those experiences with us today? Yeah, well, I can't remember. I think I got fired from a job. I think I was still in news reporting, got fired. And my uh, girlfriend at the time, I was watching TV and it was just, you know, the three channels, three networks. And I saw some story about some guy in Alabama that still had a circus. Circus. Now we, so I said, well, that would be interesting. So I tracked him down, <clears throat> you know, the deal line. What are you going to do? I'm going to run away with the circus. So I did. And I joined this circus in Alabama. It's called Circus Genoa. And it was three rings under the tent. It was a canvas circus it was the last of its kind and it was called a mud show because every day they tear down the canvas with the elephants tearing it down moving 90 miles setting up in another town in a pasture there for the mud show and uh and and put on a put on a thing and he needed a ringmaster because the ringmaster had quit so i said well i could do that i've been on radio so i can announce blah 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 so you know there i was you know in alabama scared out of my wits because circus people like carnival people these are hardcore people these are <laughs> yeah. these are roughnecks i mean they're tough 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 people but i remember the one instance and they had band had a small what do you call it, coronet or brass band yeah. with this circus and uh, they had one guy an old guy he was the, he fixed the tents he would he was a sailmaker and his only his only um 
exchange was a small salary, and he'd fix the the tears in the tent. But he had a llama. This guy was like 110 years old. He had a llama that would travel with him in his Ford Bronco or whatever it was. And his his thing was, I'll fix the tents. You let me perform with my llama. So he got out into one of the rings with the llama, you know, with a rope, and the llama go around the ring and the guy, you know, going. And I said. Sooner or later, this llama's going to take off and wrap him around like a top and then go the other way and spin him. And then there was Kenny Benoit. And my, I had to announce Kenny Benoit. The ladies and, and look, these, this is a, these are towns where nobody had ever seen an elephant. Nobody had ever seen a tiger. Nobody had ever seen any of this kind of jugglers and clowns. And my line was, ladies and gentlemen, and children of all ages, you know, the standard line, yeah. uh, cast your attention to the steel arena, Kenny Benoit, and his African lions and royal Bengal tigers. And there was Kenny Benoit. In there, and they handed me a revolver. <laughs> but unfortunately, it had no bullets in it. Because they said, if these cats get loose, you got to shoot one of them. And my line was, if these cats get loose, I'm going to shoot myself first. <laughs> it was, and I only lasted a week. The clowns were, the clowns were, were were gay. Nothing wrong with that, of course. Of course. But back in the days, of course, you know, before we became smarter and just better human beings, my old line was, I had these recurring nightmares from the circus that I was going to be gang raped by clowns with rubber noses and big floppy shoes. So I left. I didn't last long with the circus. I didn't last long at all. Ten of them in a car <laughs> gang raping you. Too. And by the way, for your listeners, I can't talk and I will not mention the things that you and I used to broadcast on the oh air in Orlando. We, you can't do that now. Like, no. And, and, right, and rightly so. Right. Yeah, I um. I think about those we moments. Talked about, we talked about carpet bombing a oh, particular man. area of oh, West Orlando, and that's all I'm going to say. They, they please. You, you know the story. Well, I know all too well, and if those tapes ever resurface, and I, and I talk to Daniel Dennis about this all the time because I listen to tapes that Daniel and I did back in the day, and I go, if this stuff were to ever resurface, forget about cancel culture, I would be eradicated off of the radio map and, and all – if remnants of my career would be scrubbed because you used to be able to get away with oh, so yeah. much more. And like you said, we've evolved. We're better people now. We don't feel the need to make exactly. the same jokes that we made back then. But it was just a different Correct. time. And I think we, we didn't come from a place of hatred. We just came from a place of genuinely wanting to laugh and push the envelope. But yep. you just can't do that anymore. Yeah, it was a, a world of, of general stupidity at yep. the time. Yep. It, it worked. It definitely did. As well. Yeah, and we had a blast doing it. You are a man of varied interests, and one of the things I found most fascinating about you was how quickly you would pick up a habit, how passionately, uh, or hobby, how passionately you'd get into it, and then how immediately you would become sick of it and never do it again. We shot right. shotguns for, for quite some time out at the TM Ranch in beautiful South Orlando, and, and I got a lot of joy about that. I still have a shotgun. I still go shooting every once in a while. Uh, but your my favorite hobby of yours by far Skydiving on ecstasy. <laughs> the first time I, I didn't skydive them. I didn't take lessons, and you know, out the door I go. It was always those tandem jumps. 
So a friend of mine said, well, you know, I'm going to, we're going to go, how about going to, to land and we'll go skydiving? And I said, sure, that's, you know, I'll do it, whatever. And so, well, I, I've got some ecstasy and I had never done ecstasy. I've done lots of other things. So I said, all right, well, here I go. And out the door, we, you know, you strap yourself to this guy and out the door you go and flying through the air and down. It's beautiful. Everything is wonderful. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. So I said, I'm going to do this again, but I didn't have ecstasy the second time. And I'm, I'm telling you, it was the most horrific, horrifying experience. Because <laughs> we went out the door. And first of all, there was somebody else in the in the plane, and they were taking their first jump solo. You know, they had guys next to them, but but this whoever it was, male, female, let loose with an anal backfire. You know, that was just <laughs> something. So that set the stage. Anyway, so we go out, you know, non with no ecstasy, out the door, flipping over a couple of times, and oh. I think I screamed the whole way. The whole oh. way down. I've never. I would never do it again. I would LFA as an ecstasy. It's worth. Of course. Uh, before I let you go, you made an observation to me in text that I found rather fascinating because I love this radio pro, uh, this television program, and I love the main character and protagonist. And I think ninety nine percent of the people who watch this show absolutely loved it. But when you texted me, am I the only one who wants to punch Ted Lasso in the kisser? I said, that is the Jim Phillips I know and love. Why do you hate Ted Lasso? I don't know. Well, I love it. I love English football. We call it football, soccer. I mean, I'm a diehard. I've been for about 10 years, just a diehard EPL fan. You know, you, you watch them play, and then you watch our Orlando team play, and it's like it's like a, a professional team. Well, it's a professional team playing a, a high school team, but be that as it may. I don't know. I watched the first season, and I kind of liked it, and, you know, it's just something natural with me. I just got tired of it. It was just a little bit too sweet and, you know, nice, and it was like, yeah, I don't I don't care for this anymore. Just not, just um, and probably because everybody else loved it. And when everybody else loves something, then Jim Phillips comes along and says, "Man, that's <laughs> crazy about that." You know, it goes. <laughs> we share that. Drew, Drew, you know, before I, before you let me go, I just I just want you you to know, and you do uh, that. You know, you're you're surrounded by family and friends and listeners and fans who are who are who are pulling for you with all positive energy and and i suppose that's kind of what we take from your journey your journey it's all that matters you know it's that old what's that old woodstock lyric you know we're stardust we're a billion years of carbon so we watch your battle and that's how we gather strength and and by this i mean if drew can handle this what you're going through then i can handle things that pale in comparison and that's the, the that's that's what we're watching here. Look well, at Godzilla, you. the king of all monsters, has the wisdom to answer all questions. Jim, tu eres el hombre, and and I am the broadcaster that I am because of you. I am the man I am because of you, and you have had such an influence on my life. I am honored to consider you a friend. It is a true pleasure to call you a mentor, and and I value you tremendously. And and I thank you for joining us today. And I thank you for your presence in my life uh, since 1995. And I wish you continued peace, love, and happiness, and harmony. And I thank you for your kind words. And, and it means a lot that we got to spend this time together today. You're, you're truly a GOAT, greatest of all time. 
the journey to you, uh, Drew. Peace and love. Peace, peace and, and love. love. Peace and love, Jim. Take care, all right? Take care, my friend. Grin like a dog and wander aimlessly. Oh, man. What a, what a conversation. That was amazing. What a legend. What I mean, like, whew, to be able to have my own show at the same time that Jim had his own show and, and speak to him about a fraction of the things that we've been through together and that he's been through. Um, it's uh it's such an honor. And I hope if you were listening to that, that you got something out of that as well. Even if you'd never heard of Jim Phillips before, if you listen to me, then you have listened to Jim Phillips because of his influence, his, his cadence, the way he speaks, the way he is a man. He's a hundred times a man that I'll ever be. Um, but he always looked out for me and he spoke of his insecurity and, and that would surface from time to time. It was no secret back then. There were, there were meetings that we had that were rough, um, where, where Jim would have to lay down the law of what he expected from his show. Um, I did not bring up and I should have. Jim had snack time every day. Um, every day at 4.20, no coincidence, uh, Jim would have snack time where it was a sponsored thing where a, a, a sponsor restaurant would drop off food. And sometimes it was amazingly catered Italian. And sometimes it was hot dog heaven, which is still a landmark in Orlando. But when it was hot dog heaven, we'd get this sack of Chicago-style dogs. And when I say sack, I mean a big old bag, right? And when you're working all day and you get hungry on the radio, you know how it is, Corey. You, oh, yeah. you tend to just gorge yourself. Well, Jim would have this chemical reaction to the nitrates in the hot dogs to where about an hour afterward, he would just lose it on me or, or whoever else was in the studio. Like all it would take was like the littlest thing to set him off. Oh, no. and, and, and he would just erupt and he knew he was doing it. And it was, and there was a somewhat of a playful tone to it, but at the same time, it was scary as hell. So every time we'd get snack time and it would be hot dog, hot dog heaven, I would tell him for a while, no, I'm sorry, they haven't gotten here yet, Jim. And, and they'd be <laughs> literally under the console. I'm like trying to delay the inevitable of like, no, nope. he's like, well, I'm, I'm really hungry. I need to, I'm like, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. They, you know, I'll call Dave Siebert, the, the account exec, but they haven't, they haven't come yet. And then sure enough, he'd smell it and, and I'd have to go, okay. Okay, Commodore, why don't we just draw the line at one this week, all right? And then two or three would go down, and all of a sudden it was like, what the hell did that commercial play for during my show? I don't want to hear that commercial play during my show. What are you playing? And it was, it was one of the funniest damn things. And one of the biggest lessons I've ever gotten in radio, and, and you can learn this, Corey, and, and someone just starting off in radio or even thinking about getting into radio can learn a lesson from this. If you're one of the Jim Phillipses, they're going to kiss your ass. They're going to do whatever they can to make you happy. Those are the positions you crave in radio, the Jim Phillipses, the Howard Stearns, the whatnots. Um, if you're anyone else, you're probably going to go unappreciated. You're probably going to want more respect than you get. You're probably going to have higher hopes than the reality of your situation. And sure enough, I was a young buck in radio. I busted my ass to do whatever they asked me. And I was one of three people who knew how to run the board for Howard Stern, who we had in the morning. We, the reason it was difficult was because they were on a 90-second delay from New York. So when they went to commercial, 
you would have to time 90 seconds and then play the commercials and then coordinate with them on when they were coming back from break. So there were only three people who knew how to do it. And when I was on Jim's show, the other two couldn't make it that day. So I had to get there at 545 to run the board for the Howard Stern show. And then it turned out that the next host, Ed Till, his producer had called in sick. So I had to produce the Ed Till show. So there I was during the Phillips file at snack time. We got Popeye's fried chicken. I'll never forget it. Beautiful big box of juicy breasts and succulent thighs and whatnot. And then, and then there was the Popeye's. Uh, and, and so I had been working since 5.45 a.m. And it was 4.20 in the afternoon. And I had the Popeye's. Uh, behind me on a on a record turntable that was not being used by anything uh, because nobody played records anymore. And the door opened, and it was either a radio consultant or one of the senior managers. And erroneously, I assumed that they were opening the door to tell me that they appreciated my 12 hours of service that day and how awesome it was to have a young buck who was sacrificing such hours to be on the radio, et cetera. So the door opens, and they look and they go, get that goddamn bag off the turntable. <laughs> and I go, you're welcome. So I took the Popeyes off the turntable and told myself then, something I tell myself now, if you're in this for accolades, if you're in this for attaboys, and you think they're going to appreciate your hard work automatically, you are going to be unfulfilled. It is enough to know that you're doing the hard work. Don't expect someone else to tell you that yes, you're doing again. the hard work. It's radio. Yeah. It's the game. It's a, it's a lousy game. Well, I you appreciate take, everything you do. Well, thank you. And I appreciate everything you do. And that's why I try to go out of my way when there are young people who bust their ass uh, like you uh, to let you know that I appreciate the young people who bust their ass Absolutely. Uh, like you. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. And thank you. You want to take a, take a call before we go to break? Yeah, sure. Why not? Let's do it. 727 579 1025. If Jim was our fifth call of the day, then we're five for five, and you'll be our big number six. Who might you be? I say, Hello? I say, who might you be? Who is this? Am I on? Just go ahead and, well, I don't want to hang up on him because he might might have something of value to say. Uh, yes, no, sir. No, no, you... no. I'm just curious. I'm just curious. If I'm on. I guess I'm on. All right, cool. So just want to let you know, I am Uncle Jim's nephew. Um, his dad was my brother, and like the best thing ever is I never heard about jumping out of an airplane on ecstasy. That's Wait, hold on one second. Hold up, hold up one second. You're telling me that you are Jim Phillips' nephew? I am. So wait, his, his, his tell me again how he's your uncle? Uh, he was my father's brother. He was my father. Or he is my father's brother. He is your father's brother. So my name's Chris, and um, yeah, I'm a little nervous. Sorry, Who's your? But, okay, uh, I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to, to to put your personal business out there, Chris. And don't be nervous, man. We're just we're just having a phone chat. What's your no, dad's I name? True, I listen to you every day. I love you, man. Uh, Thank you, buddy. And I heard Jim was going to be on today, and so I had to call in and I had to listen, and here we are. So, uh, so what's your dad's name? My dad was John Phillips. And okay. He passed away about three years ago. Yeah. Um, Jim did a beautiful memorial for him, and um. Yeah. I mean, the guy's awesome. He I, is. I, I, and stories. I remember when he first started out in radio, we would go over to my grandmother's house, right, over in Vero Beach. And um, we'd go there for Thanksgiving every year. And Jim would always come. And Jim would be like, come on, Chris. We're going fishing. 
So he'd take me up to Sebastian Inlet, we'd fish, we'd have a great time. And, um, yeah, I mean, he's a great guy. And I love him to death. And I'm so glad you guys put me on the air. It's just crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. And, and, you know, Jim and I were really good friends. We played Mahjong every week at uh, Scruffy Murphy's in downtown Orlando. Oh, yeah, yeah. We weren't just working together. We... We became really good friends, and, and we'd play Mahjong with Father Rudy and, and Pauly and Dave the Machine and all those guys. And for a moment, I thought that you might be related to Jim's brother-in-law, Brian, who is, who is his beautiful wife, Catherine's brother. And he and I became – I love Catherine. Who doesn't love Catherine? She's an angel. She is an angel, yeah. and, and, and um, she's the perfect match for Jim. Nope. I am, I am uh, Jim's brother's son. So, uh, yeah. So here we are. It's, well, thank you. I, he's a man. great guy. I love the guy to death. Um, I mean, he. I mean, what can you say? He, he. He hear about the cool uncle. He's always been the cool uncle. You know. Yeah. Like, um, you got to get away from your parents every once in a while on Thanksgiving <laughs> or something. Jim would be the guy to take you. He is and the cool uncle for sure, thing. man. Back to the circus thing, he would come over and visit us during, uh, you know, whatever, the summers and all that good stuff. And he'd bring his little juggling pens, and me and all the little kids from the neighborhood would learn how to juggle. We saw pictures of that to this day. That's so awesome. Chris, thank you very much for calling, man. There, there are a few things I enjoy talking about more than my time with Jim and the man himself, and, and it's an honor that – I got to speak with you, man. Thank you very much for the phone hey, call. Hang in there, brother. We're praying for you. I uh, hope to hear you back soon. Hell yeah. Thank you, Chris. Take care, buddy. All right, man. Hang in. Bye-bye. Well, it's a good thing we didn't hang up on right. him, huh, Corey? <laughs> I was I was just about to press drop. I mean, I, I was just about to tell you to because, you know, the, you know, clearly the guy was having difficulty figuring out that he was on the radio. But I guess lesson learned, oh, sometimes there are really cool people who don't make it a habit to call radio shows who are a bit intimidated when they hear the boop and then they don't know what to do so i think we've all learned a little something oh man i still get that way when i call in and i'm i mean i work here i work on i work behind the board so oh uh. dude if i'm on the hotline on somebody else's show which i rarely am anymore uh i i get that feeling in my stomach and when i hear the boop i go <laughs> instantly start shaking my, my palms are sweaty i'm like an eminem song yeah, the mom's spaghetti. And it's because you're not in your comfort zone. You're not in that damn studio. Yep. You're on some damn plastic device that's going to sound like crap, and you're worried you're going to say something stupid, which, let's be frank, we probably are. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's take a moment. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about board games because we'll, we can revisit that. And um, I have a personal plea for you. Uh, there's a news story I read that, quite frankly, not only concerned me,